You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Awesome. Man, it's a good song. Amen. Absolutely. Hey, go ahead. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of Malachi, or as my dad likes to say, Malachi, (laughs) the last book in the Bible, book of Malachi. If you're uh, visiting this morning, um, we have been in a series, we took a two week break for Palm Sunday and for Easter, but we've been in a series called the book where we're going through the whole Bible, there, where there's sometimes like this morning where we're kind of doubling up on some books or tripling up on some books. Um, and in those cases, we're just often just looking at one book out of those three. So today we're in, Mal- uh, I'm Malachi. <laughs> today we're in Malachi as we finish out the Old Testament. That's kind of crazy, right? Um, that we're fixing to transition to the New Testament in this series of the book. But man, it's been incredible. And I'm excited to be in the book of Malachi with you all this morning. So again, if you're having trouble finding it, just turn to Matthew and then go one book to the left and, and you'll be there. Um, and if you're still confused, don't hesitate to use table of contents. <laughs> Malachi chapter four, excuse me, chapter three is where we're going to be in a minute. We get started. You know, I, in life, there's, especially if you kind of think about the way the text lays this out this morning, there's three different kinds of people. So there's the, if, if this is God out here and here's the person, there's the first person that's the, the don't person. So don't care about God. Don't want to hear about God. Not interested. There, there may be some of you this morning that, that are in that. Maybe, maybe not a whole lot because here we are at church, but uh, man, if you, that's you this morning, we're super pumped that you're here because we believe that you're not here by accident, <laughs> that God has something for you this morning, even if you are a don't kind of person, don't want to hear about it. Another kind of person is the duty person. And this is the person with their hands on their hips and uh, Duty as in like D-U-T-Y. Uh, can't take the pastor out of middle school. <laughs> and it's this kind of, all right, God, what do you want me to do for you? I guess I'll do it because you're God and everything. And if I do good things for you, then you'll be good to me. So, so they show up and it's this duty attitude. There's a third kind of person that is the delight person. And this is the person who finds their greatest delight, their greatest pleasure in Jesus. So it, the posture would be more, more of this, of they're in awe of God. Awe as an A-W-E, not all. I, I know I'm from the South and say all, but awe, A-W-E. They're, they're in awe of God. They, they're, they fear God. They have this reverent awe, this reverent respect for who God is. And they know there's nothing bigger. There's nothing better. There's no greater delight that the world could offer than, than Jesus Christ. So you have don't, you have duty, and you have delight, that all. We're gonna see from the text this morning why it is incredibly important that you're this third person, the delight person. Why is it so important that you don't just serve God, but that you actually are in awe of him? that you, you have this reverent fear for who he is. Why is that so important? Isn't it just good enough for me to go to church or read my Bible some and I serve? Well, I served 20 years ago, but I serve. <laughs> Why is it important that day in, day out, you find your all, your delight, your reverence centered around 
God. The book of Malachi was written about 100 years after the Israelites returned to Jerusalem, to the promised land after they'd been in exile. And while they weren't in blatant idolatry like they were before exile, they had kind of gotten in this bad rhythm of of just religious, religiosity, there we go, religiosity, of just going through the motions, of of worshiping, but just kind of this person, the duty person. (laughs) I'm gonna laugh every time I say that, I need to quit saying that. They were just kind of here, heart wasn't exactly in it. With that context, let's, let's dive into Malachi, Chapter three, verse 13. Your words against me are harsh, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we spoken against you? <laughs> it's a good start. What do you mean, God? Give us some proof. What are you talking about? <laughs> God says, you've said, it's useless to serve God. What have we gained by keeping his requirements and walking mournfully before the Lord of armies? So now we consider the arrogant to be fortunate. Not only do those who commit wickedness prosper, they even test God and escape. At that time, those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. The Lord took notice and listened. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who feared the Lord and and had high regard for his name. They will be mine, says the Lord of armies, my own possession on the day I am preparing. I will have compassion on them as a man has compassion on his son who serves him. So you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. For look, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, when all the arrogant and everyone who commits wickedness will become stubble. The coming day will consume them, says the Lord of armies, not leaving them root or branches. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go out and playfully jump like calves from the stall. You will trample the wicked for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day I'm preparing, says the Lord of armies. Why is it important that you be in awe of God? We see three things in this passage. Here's the first one. Awe of God enables you to serve God simply for who he is. All of God, being in all of him, finding your greatest delight, your greatest pleasure, your greatest fear in him enables you to serve him simply for who he is. If you, if you look at verses 14 and 15, this is pretty blatant selfishness and self-centeredness from people who are supposed to be in relationship with God. That's why they say it's useless to serve God. See, when you don't have an awe of God, when you're not just enthralled by who he is, simply for who he is, that means that you're going to serve him for selfish reasons, out of selfish gain. Listen, let me ask you, does serving God always result in life going perfect for you? It's not a trick question, no. Like, look at Jesus. He died on the cross, kind of a hard life, right? Look at Paul, beaten, shipwrecked, imprisoned. So in case you're confused on that, following Jesus does not make your life easy. So if you're following him because you want want an easy life and not for who he is, you're not gonna follow him very long. 
Y'all tracking? They, they have a selfish heart. It's useless to serve God. What have we gained by keeping his requirements and walking mournfully? So they're saying, we, we've, we've obeyed the law. We, we've, we've done what the Bible or what the Old Testament says to do. And it's not helping us at all. So why should we even try to live it out? It's, they, they complain about they've been walking mournfully and it doesn't gain them anything. The idea is that they're going through the religious rituals of fasting, of repentance, but they're not getting anything out of it. So they say, what's the use? Let me ask you, parents, if you're, what would you think about your kid's level of repentance and sorrow over their sin or what they had done wrong if they said, now, mom, dad, before I say I'm sorry, I want to know what's in it for me. <laughs> You'd be like, I, do you need another spanking? <laughs> like, that's what I would say. Where <laughs> something's not adding up here. Because you should be sorry because you're sorry, not because you want to get something out of it. And that's what they're saying to God. Like, what's the use of walking mournfully in sorrow and repentance and ashes and sackcloth if we're not going to get anything out of it? And then look out what a dangerous place it leads you to when you serve God out of selfishness and just because you hope he'll give you something. They say in verse 15, so now we consider the arrogant to be fortunate. Whoa. These religious people, <clears throat> just to say it simply, who are sitting back and saying, you know what? People who are prideful, people who think they can live life on their own apart from God, people who have no fear or respect or awe of God, they're the ones who are lucky. They got, the, they, they got a good, you got a good life. <laughs> I was snorting, sorry. <laughs> That's a dangerous place to be. <sighs> Man. Those people over there who could give a rip about God, man, they got it good. Their life is so good. See, when you, when you serve God for what he can give you, not just for who he is, it leads you to some sick, scary places. That's why they say, not only do the, the end of verse 15, not only do those who commit wickedness prosper, they even test God and escape. So it's this picture of them sitting around having these conversations about, man, following God is the worst. We don't get anything out of it. All of God. God, you're amazing. It doesn't matter what you give me, just who you are is enough for me. All of God enables you to serve him simply for who he is. And if you're not serving him simply for who he is, you're not gonna serve him very long. Why is that a big deal? <clears throat> Excuse me. If you don't have all of God, you end up treating God like he's a vending machine. Read my Bible? Hmm, Lord, what do I want today? Put in my dollar fifty of prayer. Dollar fifty, that's some expensive snacks. But, or now you need to swipe your card, right? Hmm, all right, God, I did my part. What are you gonna give me? Oh, the machine's broken. You start shaking the machine. Don't get what you want? Go somewhere else. That is a scary version of Christianity because it's actually not Christianity. <laughs> to treat God as if I did my part, now what can you give me? And God, if you don't give me what I want, I'm just gonna go somewhere else for what I want. <laughs> it's not Christianity. Awe of God 
rather than a vending machine, Christianity is more like understanding that it's almost as if God is this gourmet chef who you love spending time with. And regardless of what he cooks up for you, you're just delighted to be in his presence. It doesn't matter what he serves up, whether I like it or not, man, if I can just be with him, that's all that matters. That is a biblical Christianity. All of God enables you to, to serve him just, just for who he is. Yeah, but, but seriously, Brandon, okay, I get that. But, like, but really, I feel like it's been so long since God has done anything for me. Brandon, really, like, what has God done for me? I, I, I don't know. He left heaven's throne, came and lived the life that you should have lived but don't, then died on the cross that you and I deserve. This seems like he did something for you, right? If he never did anything else for you, which he does things for us all the time, he's keeping your heart beating right now. You can thank him for that. He's letting air come into your lungs right now. We can thank him for that. If he did nothing else but the cross alone, that is enough to serve him forever. The cross shows the love and the majesty and the grace and the forgiveness of God. That's all we see of him. That alone is enough to serve him. And you're in awe of God and it enables you to, to serve him just because he's good. It's the first thing. To transition to the second thing, you saw that their conversations, these, the, the, um, the duty people and the don't people of hands on the hips, what's in it for me. When you have awe of God, it leads you to a totally different conversation. Here's the second thing we're gonna see. Awe of God leads you to the richest conversations. Richest, I don't mean rich like mega rain, like money. I mean, Rich as in full, fullness, abundant life. All of God leads you to the richest of conversations. What do I mean by that? So we looked at verse 14 and 15 of the, of the duty people. Now let's look at the delight people, the conversations they're having in the same circumstances. Verse 16. At that time, those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. The Lord took notice and listened. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who feared the Lord and had high regard for his name. Now, to be honest, Malachi doesn't tell us specifically, here's the conversation they were having. But when he says in verse 16 that those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and then you jump down to the end of verse 16 where it says, those who feared the Lord and had a high regard for his name. The fact that in verses 14 and 15, he shows those who don't fear the Lord and the conversations they're having. I feel very strongly that the conversations of the delight people in verse 16 are centered around the high regard they have for the name of God. So the delight, the awe, the reverence, the fear they have for God. So you've got same circumstances, but one group of people is sitting around griping about how terrible it is to follow God because they don't get anything from him. And the people who delight in God, who fear God, they're sitting around talking about how regardless of circumstances, God is still good and he's amazing and how much they fear him, have a high regard for his name. That's why I say, all of God leads you to the richest of conversations. If you're still like, what, what does that mean? If God, in him, he alone, not just what he gives us, but he alone is the greatest source of delight 
of pleasure, of treasure the world has ever known. It makes sense that when we talk about him, as Terry Lee Cobble says, because he's where the joy is, because he's where the joy is, as we talk about him, it makes sense that those would be the most rich, fulfilling, life-giving conversations. You with me? Are you with me? So, okay, just making sure we're on the same page. So when I talk about him, if he's where the joy is, if there's no greater delight on this earth than him, then when I talk about him and the high regard I have for his name and how I'm in awe of him and how I fear him because he's amazing, that's gonna be the richest conversation that I could ever have because he's the fullness of life. Isn't it interesting? These people... Hands on the hips. Times are bad. Complain about God. Those who delight in God, their more natural response to a hard time is to say, yeah, but God is still good. That's why when, when Matt, I call him Maddox, when Maddox is up here leading worship, and I know what he's going through, and I respect the mess out of that dude. Because even in hard times, he still says, God is good. David finds his greatest delight and treasure in Jesus Christ. So no matter what happens, I've seen David live it the past few years. He's still able to say, man, God's still worthy of my praise because he's the best the world has to offer. I was talking, I didn't plan all this, David. I hope, don't you can beat me up later. <laughs> but he came to my office probably, I don't know, two weeks ago, sat on the couch, he was like, hey man, I know we got, it was the Monday before Easter. He was like, I know we got to talk about Easter, but dude, can I just tell you about what God's doing in my life? Like, I've been reading scripture like crazy and, and man, he's been reading the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible, which I know we all agree are the most exciting, most interesting books of the Bible if you're gonna pick five. And he was like, man, God's just showing up and, and like, man, he's like, I just wish I could shake everybody and tell them to read the Bible because God is amazing. All the while, his mom is struggling with cancer. All of God leads you to the richest of conversations. This is why, see, all wonder is powerful. It's the same reason all and wonder is what leads people to pack up their car full of kids and luggage and leave Lubbock for a week in the summer and drive up to Colorado. Not because they like spending money and they like uh, being cooped up in a vehicle, but because the awe and the wonder of the mountains just keeps drawing them back. It's worth the difficulty, it's worth the hassle because of the wonder. It's the same reason that people, I know we have Buffalo Springs Lake and it's a crazy awesome beach here. But <laughs> Sorry. But it's just, that's the same reason, wonder, awe is the same reason that people load up and drive an ungodly amount of hours to South Texas or to, the panhandle of Florida, because they've seen the awe and the wonder of the beach and it just, it just keeps bringing them back. They could stay here, but the awe and the wonder that is offered there does something to their soul that is totally worth pursuing. See, in a similar, similar way, when you're in awe of God, it leads you to wanna to talk about him because nothing stirs your soul and refreshes your soul like fixing your eyes on him. See, it may, be, it may be not as easy to talk about him or as natural to talk about him, but when you're in awe of him, you're gonna make the effort and the push to wanna 
fix your eyes on him and talk about him with others and, and focus on how amazing he is because he, you know that nothing stirs and restores your soul like him. Having a high regard for his name. So all of God, one, it enables us. Totally forgot the first point. <laughs> Help me out. Ah, thank you. Serve him simply for who he is. And number two, what was the second one? Lead us to the richest conversations. Someone took notes, way to go. Hey, those are really important. But if you don't lean in on this third one, you're gonna miss out potentially on heaven. So you should lean in. I'm gonna read this passage and then we'll put the third point on the screen. Verse uh, 17. They, he's talking about not the don't people, not the duty people. He's talking about the delight people, those who fear his name. They will be mine, says the Lord of armies. My own possession on the day I am preparing. I will have compassion on them as a man has compassion on his son who serves him. So you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. So he says, oh, believe me, you're gonna see, duty people, there's a difference in those who just serve me because they have to and those who actually delight in me. There's a difference in those who actually serve God and those who just go through the motions. He says, for look, chapter four, the day is coming burning like a furnace when all the arrogant and everyone who commits wickedness will become stubble. So remember, duty people, you were saying, man, the arrogant people, the people who care less about God, they have it good. He says, just wait. I'm not sure you want to envy them because their day is coming of judgment, says the coming day will consume them, says the Lord of armies, not leaving them root or branches. But for you who fear my name, so those of you who are in awe of me, those of you who delight in me, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you will go out and playfully jump like calves from the stall. You will trample the wicked for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day I am preparing, says the Lord of armies. What's the third reason why it's so important for you to be in awe of God? Awe of God reveals who you belong to. If you're, can't, you can't think of a time in your life that you've ever been in awe of God and blown away by his glory and his grace and his majesty, then I'm, I'm sorry, friend, but then you don't know Jesus. To know him is to be in awe of him. Well, I don't know, man. I just kind of always grown up in the church, kind of always served God and just kind of just always done that. Jesus would not know what you're talking about. He doesn't know anything about that. The Bible says we're all wicked and deceitful. The heart's deceitful. We've all rebelled and we all deserve death, hell, and damnation. So he would be like, I don't know what you're talking about, that you're a good person. Not that you can confuse Jesus, but he would be like, I'm not tracking. <laughs> the only people who actually know God are those who realize, I'm a broken, sinful person. My only hope is the grace of Jesus Christ. And you become in awe that he would save a wretch like me. Amen? It says, those who fear the Lord, those are the ones he's gonna have compassion on. Not those who lived perfectly, but those who feared him, those who delighted him, those who were in awe 
of him. It says that the, the don'ts and the duty people, the people who didn't fear my name, it's coming a day they're gonna experience the judgment, the condemnation of God. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and you'll go out and playfully jump like calves from the stall. So next time you see a cow running around being all happy, you'll be like, that's me one day, bro. <laughs> Seriously, this is a picture though. He's saying, just as the sun rises and pushes away the clouds and the gloom and the darkness, so there's a coming day when Christ returns and his righteousness will push away the clouds and the gloom and the darkness and all those who fear his name will rejoice in the hope that he offers in heaven. For those who fear him. See, all of God reveals who you belong to. To know God is to be in awe of God. I remember uh, when I met my wife, Lauren, I was fixing to, it was a, fr- a Friday, and that following Wednesday, I was gonna move, uh, drive up to South Carolina, before we got our daughter's name, Carolina Tate, but where I was dri- gonna drive up to South Carolina to be at a camp all summer, and then like a week after being at camp, maybe two weeks it was one week. I was gonna drive after end of summer, drive to Fort Worth to start seminary. And so uh, our, our mutual friends, Boyd and Brittany, uh, had us go on a double date. They've been trying to hook Lauren and I up forever, like literally like two years. That's not forever, but for like two years. And, um, and Lauren chased me and chased me. Not really, no, that's totally not the truth. <laughs> not the truth at all. <laughs> Finally agreed to go on this date. And I, I knew I thought she was cute. My friend, Brittany, had shown me a picture, but I was like, okay, I'll go on this date and get it over with. And uh, so my parents were kind of laughing about me going on this double date before I moved off to go to Texas and everything. So uh, we go on this double date, and I had an incredible time. Like, uh, yeah, that's a different story, but incredible time. And um, so the next morning, my mom asked me, uh, hey, how did, how did the date go? And she was expecting me to go, oh, it was fun, it was cool. And I still remember, she was sitting on the couch over here. I was standing behind the kitchen island or whatever. And, I, and all I said was, whoa. <laughs> she was like, whoa. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> She's like, what do you mean? So I began to tell her about Lauren. Yeah, she's pretty, but there's so much more than that. And so we can describe everything and, and oh, that's cool. But they, she still thought this is gonna fizzle out. He's moving to South Carolina for the summer and then going to Texas forever. Um, God bless Texas. <laughs> so... We go on a couple of dates before I leave for the summer. And I remember we were gonna go on one final, it was like, we actually hung out every night, I think before I left to South Carolina. And uh, the day before our final date, I was at lunch with my, my parents and they were like, so like, you're, you actually really like this Lauren girl. And I'm like, yeah. And they kind of were pushing me towards, I mean, that's cool, Brandon, she sounds great. But you're, again, you're fixing to move to South Carolina. You're, you're moving to Texas soon after that. Like, are you sure you wanna start pursuing this? And I remember, I didn't get mad, but I was a little frustrated and, and kind of pushed, pushed my chips and salsa away. And I was like, if you met her, you'd be pushing me to pursue her. This is the kind of girl you want me to marry. So you just need to get to know her. Because if you know her, then you'll, then you'll also be going, whoa. And if my parent, I'm sure when my parents watch this, because they're proud parents and listen to the podcast, I'm sure when they listen to it or watch it, they're going to text me and be like, yeah, for sure, she's a woe. Because they know her. In a very similar way, to know God is to go woe. <laughs> to, be, to be in awe of him. Friends, if you've never had a moment where you're in awe of God and his majesty and his wonder, then, then you don't know him. 
That's, that's the only way that, it, like think about the disciples and the martyrs throughout history. How else would they give their life to Christ unless they had come to a moment, not of duty of, you, you, don't, go, you don't die for Jesus if you're standing like this, right? I guess Jesus, I guess I'll die for you. No, the only person that's willing to die for him and give their all for him is the person who says, Jesus, my greatest delight is in you. I'm in awe of you. I'll do anything because there's nothing bigger or better than you. So you can't find your purpose in Jesus until you find your pleasure in Jesus. And in finding your pleasure in Jesus, it will certainly lead you to find your purpose in Jesus. So there's some of you this morning that you've been a don't person. You've held God at a distance or you've been a, a duty person where you've been like, okay, God, I'll serve you. And this morning, Jesus is awakening your heart and inviting you to be a delight person to realize that while you are broken and sinful and messed up, he lived the perfect life in your place, that he died the death that you deserved and three days later rose again, offering you freedom and forgiveness from sin and hope and purpose and eternal life in Jesus Christ. If you'll simply surrender, it's the same posture as all. It's the same posture. Jesus, I got nothing. I just need you. Would you save me? Would you forgive me. I want, I want to follow you. In a moment, as we sing, there'll be some folks down front and they'll love to talk with you. If this morning you're ready to tr trust Christ as your savior. There's a lot of folks in this room, probably uh, uh, the majority who you would say, man, if I'm honest, Brandon, like I, I for sure have had those delight moments. Like I, I, I know I'm a believer. I, I often have often lived in awe of God. But man, my, my awe and delight in God is this roller coaster. Like it's, it's, it's all over the place. What, 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 just still a, a phrase from John Piper. What do you do when you don't desire God? <laughs> what do you do when you're not in awe of God? I wanna give you just a few quick things. This is not another sermon, though it could be. It's not gonna be. Just a few quick things. I'm gonna just rattle them off to you. Number one, confess sin. Confess sin. It's hard to delight in God when you've been pursuing other delights. <laughs> it's hard to delight in God when you've been worshiping other things as God. So first, confess sin. Second, turn your eyes upward and outward. So often, I'll say it again, turn your eyes upward and outward. So often when we're not delighting in God, when we're not in awe of God, it's because our focus, our gaze is right here on ourselves. We get this little bubble of self-centeredness and there's no way to be, like think about if you were at the Rocky Mountains and you're like you're at Rocky Mountain National Park and you're looking up at whatever big mountain or at some beautiful lake and think about how mad or like irritated you'd be if a friend was on their phone the whole time and they get back in the car and you're like, that wasn't that amazing. You like slap their phone out of their hand, right? You're like, you weren't paying attention. You were looking at your stuff, your own like stuff the whole, the whole time, your phone or like, that's what we do so often in our lives is rather than gazing at the beauty and wonder of Jesus and, and what he's doing in the lives of other people, we just, we're right here, self-centered. And he's like, wake up, look up. Confess your sin, turn your eyes upward and outward. Third thing, I'm gonna say, I gotta be quick, but swallow your food. What in the world does that mean? Swallow your food. Our kids, when they were super little, they would chew up some food, get the savory stuff off of it, and they blah, 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 just spit it out <laughs> over and over again. Chew it up. I'm like, quit spitting out your food. Like, it may taste good for a little bit, but your food is not actually going to nourish you and transform you if you don't swallow it. Like, you got to chew it and you got to swallow it. 
When I say swallow your food, so many of us, we come to church and we go, here's a sermon. Okay, can I taste it? And as soon as you walk out those doors, you get blah, blah, blah. You got to spit it out. And you go about your day. Or you read, you read your Bible in your morning. You're like, in, your morning. in the morning, you're like, that's a good word real quick. And you close it and you just totally forget about God when really the, the prescription of scripture is that you chew on it and swallow it throughout the day. It sounds kind of gross, right? That it just, you keep thinking about it over and over and you let it actually come in and transform your life. So many of you, maybe you're not walking in awe of God because you're not swallowing your food. Don't be a little baby. Chew it up and swallow it. Even the parts that you don't like. This guy right here will tell you, even the first five books will change your life if you'll chew it up and swallow it. Lastly, maybe my favorite, just ask God for help. <laughs> you know, God is a good father. So when you come to him and you're like, Lord, I know I've been delighting in these other things. I've been, I had my attention and focus on all these other things. God, I know that there's nothing bigger or better than you, that you are worthy of all praise and all adoration and the greatest treasure the world has ever known. God, would you help me to, del to delight in you? You know, when you ask God, he delights in answering those kinds of prayers. <laughs> He's not like, oh, I don't know. He doesn't, he doesn't pull a duty on you, <laughs> right? Like, hands on the hip. No, he, he delights in you delighting in him. So he would love to help you. Say, so God, would you help me? We're gonna have just a really, really, brief time of, of response because I've, I've run us out of time here. Here's what I want you to think about as we do this. This is a quote from Paul David Tripp. He's a pastor and theologian and he says this, I love it. <clears throat> you are wired for all. All of something sits at the bottom of everything you say and do. But you weren't just wired for all. You were wired for all of God. No other all satisfies the soul. No other all can give your heart the peace, rest, and security that it seeks. Our lives are awfully joyless until we are full of all of the one who is joy. Our lives are awfully joyless until we are full of awe of the one who is joy. I'm gonna invite you to go and stand right now. And I'm gonna ask our worship team to come up as you're standing. And I've mentioned before, we wanna create a culture here where the altar is always open. Meaning it's not like, well, just man, if you gotta repent because you killed somebody, then you can walk down forward. Like, no, I mean, Maybe you just, God's stirring your heart and you just want to come and, and talk to the Lord about it. The altar is always open. I'm going to ask some of our pastors to come on down front as I'm still explaining this. Um, we've got a few other guys in here if they don't mind coming down this way. Um, but I'm going to invite you this morning to come and just pray at the front. If maybe you need to do one of those four things we talked about of confessing sin or just turning your focus on Jesus, or just asking God for help. Maybe the Lord has stirred your heart to say, God, I need to find my delight in you and not in these other things. Maybe it would help solidify that in your heart if you just came and prayed this morning at the altar. There's also some, like I said, some staff members down front that would love to pray with you if you just need some encouragement this morning. Or if, like I mentioned, you're, you're ready to trust Christ as Savior, they would love to pray with you and talk with you about that. If you're watching online, shoot us a message or hit that connect, but we'd love to connect with you that way.
I'm gonna say a quick word of prayer. And then as we sing this song, as we sing it, I'm gonna invite you to respond. Whether that's singing or coming down front. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word, how it challenges us, how it, it, it opens up our eyes to remind us of who you are and what is most important in life. God, I pray that as we sing and respond during this song, that you would stir our greatest delight for you. God, that you would lead us to repentance. God, I pray that you would bring people to salvation. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 